Here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the Pittsburgh Steelers. This is the Steelers Wire podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Now, your host, Ryan O'Leary, and Steelers Wire editor, Kurt Popejoy. Down to this. All right, Kurt, that's Terrell Edmonds making the sack late in the game to secure another ugly Steelers win. But as you wrote in the Steelers wire, style points aside, we're 2-0. Yeah, I mean, you you, you got to win some ugly games. You, you can't expect to just cruise. That game was uglier than I expected it to be, to be honest with you. Backup quarterback comes in there, plays as well as he did for for Denver. That was a little scary. You saw it at the end. I think that's going to be the the hallmark of the Steelers all season long. They're going to have a splash play either on offense or defense and pull out wins that maybe they, they didn't deserve at some point in the game. But yeah, it's it's a good win. It's been a good two weeks to kind of get ready for this week because I think this week's going to be the real test for them. It seems like the word like sloppy keeps coming up in you know both recaps and in you know Mike Tomlin's post game pressers. Like people are just worried about the Steelers not looking great, right? I mean, it's just like you wish they'd look a little bit better against a backup quarterback. And that's it. I mean, the defense I, I wrote today it, it came as a real shock to to me the last two weeks to not see the defense play better. I expected the offense to come out a little slow, take a little while to get some traction i i honestly did not expect the defense to uh well for one thing they've come out and just blitzed so much i think they're at 56 percent or 62 percent blitz rate through two games and you know they do that with the understanding that joe hayden and steven nelson and Minka fitzpatrick and trail Edmonds can can handle things behind them but they really haven't you know they gave up way too many passing yards to a couple of pretty average quarterbacks i i don't know i just i'm not sure where that's gonna, gonna fit long term for them I, I just don't know if that's something that that they can maintain. They they can't get to a point where they feel like uh, we have to score thirty to win because the defense can't hold up their end. There's just too many first round picks on that defense, or too many playmakers. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't I don't know what's going to come of it. I don't know if they're going to have to scale back some of this aggressive defense a little bit to create a little balance or not. We'll we'll see what happens this week because I don't think they can just come at Deshaun Watson like they have at these first two quarterbacks. Yeah, and, and we're going to talk about that. That's a desperate Texans team as well. But I highlighted this in, in some of your post-game coverage on the Steelers' wire. You know, the defense, like you just said, being very aggressive, blitzing more often. You know, the Steelers' defenses, I've always kind of pictured them as being a, a team that plays those great zone defenses and gets pressure with their front. But they're dialing stuff up more right now. And, you know, we've seen Driscoll and Daniel Jones be decent, maybe not have great games against the Steelers, but keep their teams in it for a little while and and actually throw for almost 300 yards each game so in your opinion they're dialing it up a little bit too much or or at least they're dialing it up more than we've seen or maybe expected i yeah more than i expected for sure they did some last year after minka fitzpatrick got there got comfortable about week six we saw the the blitz percentages go up a little bit but then toward the end of the season we saw it drop back a little bit we kind of saw a tired defense
defense. Those last three games of the season last year, we saw the defense, you know, they were just getting pushed back out on the field so often because the offense couldn't get first downs, couldn't score points. And so they just by design had to blitz less just to preserve guys, just to keep guys fresh. And they lost some games they probably shouldn't have because the defense was just worn out. They carried the team all year. What I see this year is a defense that because they feel like the offense can get them 26, 28, 30 points a game, they can take more chances. What's going to happen is is eventually a defense is going to come in there and not let Ben Roethlisberger throw the ball. He's not going to, they're not going to let um, Deontay Johnson catch all those crossing routes all game long. And then the defense is going to have to be asked to make a play with that front seven. You know, they're not going to be able to to send a cornerback and a safety on every play as a blitz. And I'm, I don't know, I, I get why they did it in the first two weeks because they knew the teams were going to want to run the football. You know, they knew that against Denver, that even with Phil Lindsay out, Melvin Gordon was the guy to slow down. They knew against the Giants, Saquon Barkley was the guy to slow down. This week, I mean, David Johnson's been okay, but I don't know that he's a, a game changer. I think Deshaun Watson is the guy they have to worry about. So the old adage in football is, is you blitz bad quarterbacks and you play coverage against good quarterbacks. So we'll see what happens if they switch things up this week. Yeah, yeah I feel like if they blitz Deshaun Watson and miss, he's gone. You know, he's gone the other way. Yeah. But, you know, for uh, from a fantasy perspective, I know, you know, a lot of people burning a high draft pick probably on Juju, but also on James Conner. He's a guy that's probably picked in the first two rounds, three rounds of every draft. And I know he was banged up in week one. He played a little bit, seemed to have a little bit of a split with Benny Snell in this one. You know, you wrote about Snell's hands keeping him in this rotation a little bit. What do you think about that backfield situation from a fantasy perspective? Should, you know, people might be uh, getting a little frustrated here going forward with James Conner. Yeah, I mean you, you have to wonder how long is it going to be. If Benny Snell can hold on to football, he's going to he's going to steal carries. If he doesn't fumble last week, I believe he's out on the field late in the game. But you just that's always been Mike Tomlin's thing. You can if you're a running back, you can't put the ball on the ground. And two weeks in a row, we saw Snell fumble. The week before, they had to keep him out there because Conner was hurt. Mm-hmm. They don't have any confidence in Jalen Samuels. So this week what do they do? They know they've got Connor a little banged up. They know they've got Snell, who might not be holding the ball. So they went ahead and gave Anthony McFarland the helmet for the game. He was part of the active roster. So you can tell that the confidence isn't there with this running back group, maybe as high as it should be when they decide to take away another position player to activate a fourth running back. That's that's really out of character for Pittsburgh. I, I honestly think that Tomlin's going to start every week with the hope that one guy's going to get hot, and whichever guy has the hot hand, he's going to hand him the football. It just so happened that Snell only got three carries before he put that ball on the ground, and after that, he really didn't see any reps. And so, you know, if you're a Connor owner, you go into this week assuming he's healthy, and you assume he's going to get the bulk of the carries. But if he struggles, I I don't think Tomlin's going to hesitate to put Snell in there to see if he can give him a little spark. Here's more fantasy advice right here here from Corey Bonini of TheHuddle.com. We'll be right back. Fantasy football is about proving that you are better than your friends. Sit them, start them. These are the fantasy picks of the week. It will kill me if this game ends in a tie. I need this win. This game's pretty much done. With Corey Bonini from TheHuddle.com. Corey Benini with TheHuddle.com here to talk to you about strong plays for Week 3. Chicago Bears quarterback Mitchell Trubisky against the Atlanta Falcons. The matchup is brilliant, and Atlanta's offense could put Chicago in a pass-happy situation. Trubisky may make mistakes like we saw last week with two interceptions, but he should be able to take advantage on the outside with his strong wide receivers. Deion Lewis takes over for Saquon Barkley at least for this week. Devontae Freeman looks like he'll be the guy going forward, but he's coming off the street and doesn't know the playbook. San Francisco is so beaten up on both sides of the ball right now that the Giants 
Giants should be able to stay in the game late enough to continue running the football. If not, Lewis is a capable receiver out of the backfield as well. Jaguars wide receiver Keelan Cole has the eye of quarterback Gardner Minshew, and he has a fine matchup against the banged-up Miami secondary. And furthermore, DJ Chark is banged up himself, which could mean more work for Cole if the injury is aggravated during the contest. Look for him to make it three games in a row with a touchdown to open the 2020 season. And finally, Cincinnati tight end Drew Sample. He's a second-year player who will fill in for CJ Uzama, who was lost for the year after a torn Achilles tendon last week. Sample saw nine targets last week, catching seven of them, but for only 45 yards. That's a product of having a rookie quarterback who's not willing to take as many chances downfield. Last week, Tyler Higby scored three touchdowns, and Logan Thomas had one in week one on only nine total catches against the Eagles in 2020 by tight ends. For more fantasy football information, check out thehuddle.com. Uh, we got a lot of growth ahead of us, but it's good to grow uh, while you win. Um, today, I just thought we were loose with the ball some. We, we, we turned the ball over, particularly at a significant period in the game, and we were highly penalized. And so, you know, we'll look at the penalties, man, and, and, and work to play cleaner. Um, but it was an Achilles heel for us today. It, it extended drives. It allowed those guys to remain in the game. Uh, we made the necessary plays. We bowed up when we had to. Uh, on offense and defense and special teams. And so we're thankful for that. Yeah. And as we talked about, Kurt, just turnovers, penalties, and maybe maybe a big Ben that's not still 100% right. He hit the beautiful pass to Claypool down the sideline. That was sweet. But, mm-hmm. you know, that as you nice. said, as you said, it's kind of this dink and dunk passing game right now with big Ben. And, and you have to wonder how healthy is he? And when is a coach going to smarten up? I don't know if it's going to be Bill O'Brien from, <laughs> from his history with the Texans. <laughs> but, uh, you know, when is a coach going to smarten up and just take away those short crossers over the middle and then yeah. really test Big Ben to throw it down the field? I, I thought that the the Broncos would try to do more to do that last week. Um, they did early in the game. Ben missed some throws. The coverage was a little tighter. He put a couple of balls behind guys. He took he took ownership for that, said he missed some throws. But then once, once the offensive line kind of gelled, you know, they had two new starters last week. And once that right side got to where they weren't really putting Ben under a lot of pressure, he was allowed that extra half second to let Johnson get free underneath. And then he starts hitting those throws. And I mean, we've seen quarterbacks win that way. I mean, we've we've seen offenses be very successful throughout the season without a, a threat of a deep pass. Now, if they're going to take a shot or two downfield with Claypool every week, if they feel like that's enough. But yeah, I mean, you see that beautiful throw he makes to Claypool and you think, well, his elbow must be fine. But I, I just can't help but wonder if he's not still operating in a scheme that's minimizing those deep throws just to just to save wear and tear on his arm. As long as they're winning, I'm not going to worry too much about it. But the first game where this team has to throw to get a lead back and they've got to get down the field in a hurry, those those kind of passes aren't going to work. He's going to have to throw those deep outs. He's going to have to throw those posts. And, and I want to see if he can do it. He's got the guys to throw to. It's just, is he going to have the confidence in his arm to make those throws? Yeah, all the speed in the world. And that, that was a beauty. That 80, It's an 84-yard bomb to Claypool, the rookie. And But you, you look at the final score, 26-21. I mean, that, that play looms really large at the end. That was huge. I mean, that was that was so big. That and the, you know, the, the late sack by Terrell Edmonds that you played the, the highlight from. Of all the players on the defense that needed to step up and make a play, he would not have been the one I would have expected to kind of put the, the seal on the game. That was a really good 
play by defensive coordinator Butler to take advantage of a quarterback who hasn't gotten a lot of reps. He he had no idea how to account for that that extra guy. That could have been literally anybody off the street, and they were coming free, and there was nothing he was going to do about that. So I give a lot of credit to the defensive coaches to take that shot. That could have just as easily been Mike Hilton who had done that already, but they dialed up Edmonds. He made the play and that ended it. But you just hate to see a team with this much talent needing a big play that late in the game to uh, to seal a victory. It was pretty sweet. Six times they sacked Driscoll in that game. So, uh, yeah. But as we talked about, going to be a little bit tougher this week. The Texans have lost games to two really tough opponents. They're going to be desperate in this game. Looking forward to breaking that one down with Kurt. Coming up next on the Steelers Wire Podcast. It's that time again for the line of the week. The inside track to the favorites, the underdogs, and the over-unders. I think I want my money back. Now, here are Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren from USA Today's Sportsbook Wire. Hello, I'm Eston McLaren of SportsbookWire.com and Bet Slipping Podcast, and I'm joined by my colleague Jeff Clark. Here's what you need to know to bet the week three Monday night football matchup in the NFL's game of the year between the Kansas City Chiefs and Baltimore Ravens. The Chiefs are plus 155 underdogs on the money line. Jeff, that's right. The Super Bowl champion, Kansas City Chiefs, plus 155 underdogs. The Baltimore Ravens are laying three and a half points at home. I'm going to go against the grain, against the public here. Give me the Ravens, minus three and a half, to win by at least four points. Oh, man, I want to push back and just take the Chiefs at the money line. You said plus 155. That's enticing. But if you're going to give me the three points, I'll take it. Has Patrick Mahomes ever gotten three and a half points? I'm pretty sure not, Eston. Uh, The defending Super Bowl champions. There's going to be no fans there at the M&T Bake Stadium in Baltimore. And they have one of the better home crowd advantages, which is going to be neutered because of the unfortunate situation right now. I'll take... The dog uh, Super Bowl champion Chiefs at plus three and a half. I'm on Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens. Check out Sportsbook Wire for more with all odds from BetMGM Sportsbook. Subscribe to Bet Slippin' Podcast on your favorite podcast platform. The Steelers hosting the desperate 0-2 Texans in the 1 p.m. time slot. They're favored by four. You know, what's your leadoff take on this matchup? Well, I think it's going to be the first time we're going to get to see if the Steelers can come in and game plan for a, a top-end quarterback. I really hope that that they don't look ahead. You know, they have the Titans the following week. I hope they don't read too much into the fact that Houston's 0-2 on the season. I've watched both their games this year. I think they're a better team than their record indicates. They've had some, some missteps along the way, and I think they were just completely outmatched by the Ravens last week, but I don't know that you can hold too much of that against Houston. I think Baltimore's probably the, the first or second best all-around roster in the NFL, so you can't really can't really look at that and say that was a, a fault of the Texans. They just kind of ran into a, something of a buzzsaw last week. I think the Ravens are going to um, do that to but, a lot of teams. Oh, I, th- I think so too. I think they're, they're just, they're you know, awesome. their defense is better, and that's what's scary to me. Their offense is, we knew their offense was going to be great, but what I've seen through two games is their defense is much improved. And that's kind of terrifying if, if you're a team like Pittsburgh that's got to play them twice and, and has historically kind of struggled with them. So, but yeah, I mean, Houston, they're, they're not going to surprise anybody. 
I don't think they're going to want to want to establish the run. They don't have DeAndre Hopkins anymore. Their wide receivers are a little questionable. I'm not sure they have a true number one at this point. But when you've got a guy like Deshaun Watson, I mean, he's a lot like Roethlisberger. He kind of elevates the level of the play of the guys around him. I, I think that as he gets more comfortable with the players on his team, he's going to be able to make some connections with those receivers. They've got film on what Pittsburgh's done the last two weeks, and they saw Jeff Driscoll. You know, yeah, he got hit. He got sacked six times, but five of them were in the first half. So, I mean, you know, once Driscoll settled down, he's got to be looking at and go, if they were able to, to find those holes in the Steelers' defense, if they can protect him just a little bit um, for all the hits that Driscoll took, clean pockets, he was able to take advantage of that. And so I think Houston's got to be thinking if they can just give Watson a clean pocket, guys are going to come open. And I think that Pittsburgh has to be thinking about, do we need to commit more guys in coverage this week and just bank on T.J. Watt and Cam Hayward and Bud Dupree to get pressure? If, if those three guys can't get after the quarterback on their own, then this defense probably has bigger problems than that. I think that's one of the sources of Steelers fans' frustration is how comfortable Driscoll started to look there in that second half and late in the game, right? Oh, uh, but yeah. Kurt, what do you think about the Steelers giving away four points in this one? That's it's quite a few points considering the Steelers haven't really been firing in all cylinders in either of these first two weeks. I mean, after watching watching Denver get crawl back into that game and make it a five-point game last week, I'm not sure that I'd feel comfortable with that. I expect this game to be close. I... I if you've, if you've followed the Steelers for any amount of time, you know that they have a tendency to kind of look at the other team's record and, and come out a little flat. We saw them come out flat against Denver. It nearly cost them the game. If they come out flat again this week, I could see them falling behind early. And I don't, I just don't know what kind of team they have if they're fully ready for like comeback shootout mode at this point. So no, I, I don't like that at all. I don't like the four points. You know, the Steelers started slow against the Giants too. They like sleptwalked through at least that first quarter. If you remember week one yeah. and, you know, for yeah. me, it's like this desperate Texans team, they got to win. I, I could easily see the Texans losing by a field goal. So yeah, that, that Steelers yeah. line's a little, a little sketchy to me little sketchy but hey yes it is we'll yes, see what happens is. if you know the Steelers could prove us wrong here Kurt and just just look great and come out and Big Ben could look oh. like he's moving around you know freely again and oh. or or it could be more of the same sloppy or, football as we've seen or it could just be another tense three hours right yeah. yeah which is you know probably what we should expect at this point but uh I'm yes. looking forward to breaking yes. it all down man uh have a great week all right all right take care join us next week on the Steelers Wire podcast we'll talk to you then This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.